All right, First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 7 through 11 this evening. First John chapter 4. Uh, but last Sunday when we met to look at our series in First John, we noticed that if we've been saved, we've been given spiritual ears. And we noticed, uh, first of all, that God is greater than this world. And of course, this world is filled with those who are against God. And during this early church period, when John is writing to the church, uh, there were those who had crept into the church, and they were false teachers, they were antichrists, they were teaching things, contrary to the doctrine of Christ, and they were trying to divide the church. Uh, they were tools of the devil in the midst of the church, but John reminds the church that they had nothing to fear, they had nothing to be afraid of, because God is greater than them who are in the world. Uh, and we serve that same God. God is greater. Uh, we also notice that those who are in the church, uh, but not of the church, uh, John says that they were, or we, we saw this idea that they're of the world's frequency. They didn't hear the church. They didn't understand the church. Uh, they, there was no connection there between these antichrists and those who were, who were a part of the church. And then we saw the church's frequency, that those who are in the church, those who are saved, the, those who are in the family of God, there's an understanding with their family. They are connected to one another through the blood of Christ. And this, though this world may not have understood the church, and though the world may not understand us, we have a family who loves us and who understands us, and we need to be a part of that family and spend time getting to know that family, and that's our church family. And then finally, we notice that John gives uh, the familial test of the spirits, and those who were in the church, but they were not of the church. He said that they, were, they did not hear them, and we saw that this would be evidence. It would be plain, those who were not a part of the church, but in it. And John's point is that um, the, the church, the true church, if we're living for Christ, if we're obeying Him and, and we're drawing close to Him, um, we will spot those who, who, are, who are not following the Lord, who do not believe in Jesus Christ. And so that's what we looked at last Sunday. Tonight we're going to continue in our series, and we're going to look uh, closely at one of the greatest commands that we have as the church, and that's the command to love one another. And I know we've looked at this idea of loving one another several times in this series, but John brings it up several times. And so we must uh, continually, uh, we, we must cover it as, as we come ac across it in the book of 1 John. But I believe that the reason John brings up the, uh, this idea of loving one another is because it is so important that the church love one another, that we love one another. And of course, repetition is a, a great teacher. Uh, and John is concerned about the church being a place where the members love one another, where the members serve one another. Uh, and uh, as we'll see, loving one another is uh, perhaps the greatest test of our belonging to Christ, of our, our sonship. Uh, and so we'll see tonight, uh, not just that we need to love one another, but why we ought to love one another. And he leaves us with no excuse. Uh, as a church, we are to love our, our church family. And so let's go ahead and read 1 John chapter 4. And uh, we'll read verses 7 through 11 and then pray against the message. 
The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this night that you've given us, and I thank you for the opportunity that we have as a church family to gather and to worship you and to look at your word, Lord. And I thank you for your word, and I thank you for a church family, Lord, that I can be a part of. And uh, Lord, I pray that you just help us tonight to, uh, to examine our life and to see uh, di different ways, Lord, that we can love one another and serve one another and uh, be the church that you've called us to be. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this evening. Help us to put aside distractions, Lord. And I ask that you'd help me to be emptied of self and filled with your spirit. Lord, I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing that I want us to see is that uh, God is love in verses 7 through 8. That God is love. Uh, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. And that is such an important tr truth for us to get a hold of, that God is love. And John, he gives us the command here to love one another, but he gives us the reason that we are to love one another. And the reason we ought to love one another is because God is love. And love is of God, he says. If you remember last Sunday, we saw that if we're saved, uh, John says we are of God. Uh, and love is of God. In other words, if you've been saved, uh, it, is, it is in our new nature to love one another. We are of the same place that love is from. We are of God, and love is of God. And so we love one another because love is of God. And I want to see three arguments that John gives here about why we are to love one another. And the first is that love is from God. Uh, when we show our love to the brethren, we are showing that we are from God. We are showing that we belong to Him, that we do not belong to this world, that we do not belong to darkness, that we do not belong to sin, but that we belong to Him, and that we are followers of Christ. And so when we love one another, we are living as if we have God in us. We are loving as if God dwells in us, because He does. God dwells in our hearts if we have been saved. Uh, and so we ought to love one another. Uh, those individuals who, who were in the church at this time, who were false teachers, they were wolves in sheep's clothing, they came into the church, they were teaching false doctrine, they may have put on a show of love, but their love was deceptive. They, their love was manipulative. It was trying to get people to follow them, to divide the church. And their love came with conditions. Uh, but the love of God uh, comes without conditions. It is uh, an unconditional love. And so we need to take a minute and think about the love that God has shown us. And in a minute, I'll, we're going to look more closely at the love that God has shown us and how He showed it to us. But God's love for us comes without conditions. There's nothing that we did to earn God's love. There's nothing that we do to keep God's love. God gives us His love. And we have God's love if we have been saved. 
And when we love the brethren, we show that we have that love, that uh, we have the love that is from God. And so his first argument is that we love one another because love is from God. Number two, he tells, he, he tells us to love one another because it is an evidence of our new birth. We love one another because it is an evidence of our new birth. John writes that those who love are uh, born again. He says, and everyone that loveth is born of God. And so uh, when we love one another, uh, we, we show that we have this new nature. And now he's not saying here that the action of loving is what makes us born again. Uh, in, uh, in other words, we don't earn our salvation because we love the brethren. Uh, it's impossible for those who are lost to love this way. And so we don't we don't work our way into salvation through this love. He's telling us here that if we have been saved, if, if we have been born again, we will love the brethren. It is a evidence of our salvation. If we, if we are saved, uh, it is inevitable that we love the brethren. Only the saved can love this way that John writes about. Because this love comes from God. This love is of God. And so this world does not love in this way. The world's love does not compare to the love of God. The love of the world, it stops when offenses start. Uh, you think about uh, the love of the world, it's conditional. As long as you are giving me something, um, then I'll love you. But as soon as that stops, my love stops. But God's love and our love for the brethren is not conditional. It doesn't stop when offenses start. Our love moves past offenses. Our love moves past uh, grievances. Our love moves past hurt. Our love is unconditional. And that is a love that is only possible through Christ. It is a love that is only possible uh, because we have God's love in us. And so the, uh, our, our, we love because it is a evidence of our, a new, our new birth. And then the third argument that he gives is uh, the reason we love one another. It is an evidence of our spiritual knowledge. Look at the end of verse 7. He says, um, and everyone that loveth, God, loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And so we ought to love one another because it shows that we have a knowledge of God and the spiritual. And this knowledge, though, this word or this phrase, knoweth God, it's not just a head knowledge. It's not just knowing information about God, but it's knowing God. Uh, there are a lot of people who do not know God. They, they do not have a relationship with God, but they know a lot of things about God. And they know a lot of information about God. And they can tell you a lot of things about the Bible, but they do not know God. But if we have been saved, uh, he tells us here that we, we know God. We have a personal relationship with Him. The idea of knowing here, it's a intimate knowing. It's a close relationship. It's a deeper kind of knowledge. And it's, uh, it's the way a husband and a wife might know one another closely that someone outside of that relationship would not know uh, that, that relationship. But God, we know God intimately. We can know Him. We can have a fellowship and a closeness with Him. In, in the, it, this world, though, does not have the, this knowledge. But if we have been saved, we, we do. He has transformed us. If you've been saved, He dwells within you. Uh, you have a personal relationship with Him because of this salvation. When we love the brethren, when we love one another, we show that we know God, that we love Him, that we have a closeness to Him. And the more that we know God, the more we want to know God, the more we will love the brethren. Uh, and so it's important that we continue to know God. 
We have looked at several tests of salvation in this series, several uh, tests of our, our sonship, and one of those we saw was having a right um, understanding of Christ, a right understanding of doctrine. John's argument is if we are saved, we'll have a right understanding of who Christ is, that we'll have a right understanding of doctrine. But uh, even this test of right doctrine does not compare to this test of knowing God, of, of loving the brethren. Because the truth is, you can be gun barrel straight on all the doctrine. You can know everything there is to know about the Bible and be absolutely right. But without a love for the brethren, there is no proof of salvation. We must have a love for the brethren. That is John's argument. Uh, that we must know the brethren. It's not just his. Paul makes the same argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verses 1 through 3. Well, the whole chapter, really. But 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, Paul writes, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Paul makes it clear there that, that without charity, without this love for one another, we are nothing. We can do all of these things. We can speak with the tongues of men and angels. We can have faith so great that we remove mountains. We can be burned at the stake. We can give all of our goods to the poor. But if we do not have a love for the brethren, if we do not have a love for others, it, it, is, it is unprofitable. It profits us nothing. We must have a love for the brethren. Uh, without that love... All of those things are self-serving. All of those things are self-promoting. All of those things make us feel good, but without love, it is unprofitable. And so we must have a love for the brethren. And the more that we love God, the more that we grow in our knowing of God and in our relationship with God, the more we love the brethren as we ought to. And this love is, it is of God. It is not of the world. It is not of ourselves. It is not of our family. This love, it is of God, and it belongs to God. And through Christ, we have the ability to participate in this love and also to share this love with others. When we love the brethren, we show that we know God intimately. We show that we have a relationship with Him on a personal level. We show that we have a Father, that we have a Savior, that we have a Comforter, that we have a Guide, that we have a Provider, and so much more. When we love the brethren, we show that we know the Father. And so we see that God is love. Number two, I want us to see God's love manifested. How has God shown us His love? Uh, it's important, you know, we understand God loves us, but how does He love us? How has He shown this love to us? Look at verse 9. Uh, John writes, in this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. God's love was manifested to us. That word, it means to, to be made plain, to be made open. God's love was displayed to us so clearly and so evidently. Uh, and, and how did that happen? How is it that God's love was made clear to us? How is it that God's love was shown to us so clearly? He tells us and that God sent His only begotten Son into the world. And that Jesus came to the world and showed His love to us. God showed us His love. He demonstrated His love to us by sending Jesus Christ to the world. That is how it is made 
clear to us. And I want us to take a moment and think about the implications of His love and what all happened in God sending Jesus Christ to the earth for us. Jesus, of course, He was in heaven. He was in a perfect place. There was no sin. There was no suffering. He was worshipped by the angels. He was at the right hand of the Father. Uh, he was in, in heaven, a perfect place, and He left all of that behind to take on the form of a human. And by the way, with that form, with that human body, came all the suffering that we face. Uh, tiredness, hunger, thirst, pain. Jesus, He left the perfect place where none of that was, and He took on the form of a servant. Uh, he came to the earth to serve those uh, who He created. He came to serve those who were supposed to serve Him. He came and he, le he left heaven to come to this world. And, and this was not just something He up and decided to do. He didn't just decide one day, I'm going to come to the earth to do this. It was before the foundation of the world. He knew He would come to the earth to die for us. All along, He knew this. Before we were created, uh, He knew He would come to the earth to save us. He came as a, a servant, as I said. He came knowing He would be beaten. He came knowing He would be betrayed. He came knowing He would be spit on. He, became, he came knowing He would have a spear thrust through His side. He, he came knowing that He would be betrayed, that He would be rejected, that He would be hated, that He would be despised. He left heaven knowing all of that would happen because He loved us. And because He wanted to manifest His love, He wanted to show His love to us. And it's through His sacrifice on the cross, through His shed blood, that we are able to live. Uh, that we are able to be a part of the family of God. We've been rescued from sin. We've been rescued from the world. We've been rescued from darkness because God manifested His love to us. Then look at verse 10. He says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We see John here pointing out that it's only because of God that we have His love. Uh, lest we think that we are able to earn His love or that we are worthy of His love, John says we, we are not. It is not because of anything that we have done that we have the love of God, but it is because God loved us that we have the love of God. I think as the church, if we are not careful, we can become arrogant in our religion in thinking that we are better than the world and thinking that we are better than other believers, but were it not for grace, John's point here is that we would still be lost in this world. We would still be in sin. We would be spiritually dead and without hope, were it not for the love of God, were it not for Him showing us His love. And he says, but herein is love. In other words, by this thing, we are able to experience the love of God. And what is it? What is that thing? It's that God first loved us. Not that we loved God, and then He loved us, but He loved us first. While we were dead in sins, while we were in the darkness of this world, while we were enemies of Christ, God loved us. He sent Christ to be the propitiation for our sins. And that word propitiation, it means to, be, to, to satisfy the wrath of something. Our sin, we, we deserve God's wrath because of our sin. Uh, we deserve hell because of our sin. We were enemies of God. We were wretches that the song Amazing Grace talks about. We were depraved. We were without hope. We were blind. We were deaf. We were dumb before we were saved. We were the crowd that was shouting at Jesus as He was walking to the cross. 
We were the guard that thrust Christ through the spear. We were the Pharisees who mocked Jesus, who spit on him. We were the ones throwing rocks at Christ as he walked the road to Golgotha. We were the ones who were his enemies. And it is at that moment, that is when God showed us his love. That is when he sent his... That's when he sent Christ to die for us. And if we would get a hold of that truth, that if we would get a hold of the truth that God loves us, I think we would love one another as we ought to. That we would love one another as God has commanded us to. And so I want us to see our command finally, let us love, in verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, if he would do all of that, we ought also to love one another. Because of all that we just looked at, we are to love one another. We are to love our church family. If God could love a sinner like you and I, uh, who didn't deserve his love, who are we to say that we don't have to love one another? We are to love the ones that Christ died for. He died for us. And so how can we not live for others? Uh, if he could give his life uh, on the cross, how can we not give our time? How can we not give our energy? How can we not give our possessions to one another and show the love of Christ to each other? And it's because of God's love uh, that, we, that we are able to show this love, that we have this love. Uh, and so as, as we are part of of God's family. As we understand God's love, we, we love one another because, because of God's love. And that is our command to let us love one another. Tonight, if you want to know how to love your church family better, that's a question we should all ask ourselves. How can I love my church family better? Let me suggest by starting about thinking about how God has shown you his love, about thinking about all that God has done for you, and I believe we're left with no choice but to love each other when we understand all that God has done for us. When we understand that we have received this great love by nothing that we have done. And so our love for others should be unconditional. How can I refuse to love those, who, those whom Christ died for? He, he died for me. He died for you. And who am I to say that I cannot live for you, that I cannot love you, and that I cannot serve you? And so our call tonight is to love one another. We have seen in a previous message that this kind of love, it's a love of action. It's a love that moves. It's a love that does something. It's a sacrificial love that overcomes animosity. It's a sacrificial love that overcomes strife. Just because we are saved, it doesn't mean we are perfect. We will struggle with sin. We will struggle uh, with, with uh, heartache. And that means we will be hurt with, by other believers at times. But that is not a reason to stop loving that person. If we have the love of God in us, we can move past that hurt through the grace of God. And we can continue to love our church family. Uh, the hurt that is done to us, uh, when we feel like we are too hurt by others to love anymore, remember how we hurt Christ. 
remember what we did to him in our sin. And yet he loved us anyway. And that is our motivation to push past that hate, to push past that struggle, to push past that animosity and continue to love through the grace of God. God loved us while we were killing his son. And we can, we can love the brethren that do us wrong. We're called to do that. The love of Christ that moves past self and it looks to Christ and to others. And it's not self-centered. And so again, the more that we grasp the love of God, the more that we grow in the knowledge of Him, I believe we will grow in our love for one another. Tonight, our reminder is that God loves us. He has demonstrated His love to us in this way. And by giving up His only Son to rescue us from sin, while we are His enemies, and our call is to love one another uh, in light of that. Do you love the brethren tonight? We'll see in a few weeks that those who say they are of the church, those who, are, who say they are born again, but there is no love for the brethren, they are not concerned with others in their church, there is no love there, they're in a dangerous place. John says that they don't know God. If you say that you love God, but you do not love the brethren, John makes it clear you do not know God. You do not know God in the way that, uh, that, that you ought to. But it is never too late while there is breath in your lungs to know God and to be saved and to be born again and to experience this love and to have it for yourself and to share it with others. Uh, if you have not been saved, the call is to be saved. And for those of us who are saved, our call is to start loving the brethren more, to look for more ways to love our church family, to grow in our knowledge of God. Not just information about God, but knowing God personally, uh, following Him, spending time in prayer, reading the Word of God, uh, walking with God, obeying Him. As we grow closer to the Lord, we'll grow closer to our church family. God is love, so let us love one another. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this.